The Staggering Dragon presents Guardians of the Wills, a Star Wars podcast. And now here are your hosts, Neil and Dustin. Hey everybody, I'm Dustin. And I'm Neil. Welcome to the Guardians of Wills podcast. So today, before we get to our prime focus, which is some comic books about the Rogue Squadron, let's hear about our feature D20 Radio Network podcast of the episode. And that is the Forge, a Genesis RPG podcast. Recent episodes 15 and 17 of the Forge happen to be pertinent to the future of a few Guardians of the Wills episodes. In episodes 15 and 17 of the Forge, GM Hooley and GM Chris discuss the vehicle rules in the Genesis RPG. For those who don't know, the Genesis RPG was born out of Fantasy Flight Games' Star Wars role-playing game Narrative Dice System. Many view Genesis as the updated rule set from the Star Wars RPG. In these two episodes, the differences between Genesis and Star Wars vehicle rules are explained, and we will be talking more about that later in this very show. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the thorough discussion of this topic on the Forge, a Genesis RPG podcast. All right. Well, thanks. Okay. Moving on to our Cantina talk. We're wanted men. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. I'll be careful. You'll be dead. Pull up a stool and grab a glass of blue milk. It's time for Cantina talk. We have mostly just got to talk about some of the live-action Star Wars stuff that has been going about. First one being, and we're probably going to butcher the name, but Taika Waititi is in line to direct a a new Star Wars movie. I, for one, am excited. How do you feel? I'm very excited. Uh, I don't know if you caught the uh, little documentary series that they're doing about The Mandalorian on Disney Plus right now. I haven't watched it yet. It's pretty good. They're kind of going around talking like a round table with the different directors and stuff. And uh, they're all really talented, obviously. But uh, his story is pretty interesting. And I, I think it's in pretty good hands. Now, I will say I do hope that this movie or movies or whatever this is going to be has absolutely nothing to do with anything they've done before in a Star Wars story in the storyline period yeah outside of the main storyline yeah I hope it's either like way in the past or way in the future I had read and I think it's probably true that they're adapting the Carillion trilogy for this is that (laughs) not what you've heard (laughs) oh dear lord (laughs) no no i agree i hope it's and i don't care same deal it can be way before way after it can be during and on the opposite side of the galaxy and not even mention the empire you know if i mean say it's right it's happened same time as empire strikes back but it's happened 
way somewhere else and just a completely different story. I suppose they'd stuff to mention the Empire, but I'm just saying I totally agree. I hope it's outside of the story before, after, yeah. like I said, during in another part of the galaxy. Uh, maybe it'll be Thrawn in the fight in the Gris or whatever the hell they're called out in the unknown regions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> probably, probably not that. But, uh, yeah, I think they feel comfortable with having him right the ship. I, I mean, if you want to be that yeah. mean about it, because I think it, at this point, it seems to be fairly well known or at least very much assumed that they wanted him to do Thor 3 to right the ship on Thor because a lot of people weren't a big fan of the Dark World, which I actually, I like the Dark World fine, but I think he did do a good job. Thor, I mean, Ragnarok's an awesome movie, and that's yep. just one example. Actually, have you seen Jojo Rabbit? I have not. I just watched it not that long ago. That movie is awesome, too. And uh, <laughs> he's he's good at getting you in the feels when he wants to, too. And obviously what we do in the shadows is one of the greatest movies of all time. So <laughs> let's be serious. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I'm excited. Moving past that. So, of course, we have all are at this point under the impression that Rosario Dawson is going to be playing Ahsoka in uh, Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Now it's coming out that Tamir, speaking of more names, we're going to butcher <laughs> Amir Morrison is supposedly going to play Jango Fett in this in season two. Of course, he was all the clones in episode three and episode two, and Jango Fett, of course, too, in episode two. So it would make sense if it was him playing him, and I think it'd be awesome if he shows up, even if it's just for a minute. Yeah. So he'd be playing Boba Fett. Did I say Jango? Yeah, but that's okay. So there's the episode, there's the Mandalorian episode on Tatooine where the lady from ER <laughs> yeah. I can't remember she's a bounty hunter. She gets killed or whatever. And the footsteps come up and you see the person hear the spurs, you know, from their boots, and that's about it. But you hear the spurs, and I'm pretty sure that you and I speculated. We were like, you know, that sounds like Boba Fett's boots. That can't possibly be Boba Fett. Well, now there's all kinds of internet speculation that that was indeed Boba Fett, which there is, there's a couple things weird about that is that are they going to hold true to the aftermath to Chuck Wendig's aftermath trilogy where Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor got purchased by another person because the Jawas ended up with it. And this guy ended up being a vigilante for truth and justice or are they going to maybe have Boba Fett crawl out of the Sarlacc and go get his Mandalorian armor back from that guy? Or That would be cool. Or are they going to say the Aftermath trilogy never happened and start down the whole terrible rewrite mess Retcon in this City. canon that, yeah, that everybody got mad at Legends about for doing the same thing? And now they have a clean slate, and have they already started doing that? So what if, instead of any of those, it's one of the clones that's still alive, and he found Truth and Justice Vigilante and killed him and took up the the mantle of Boba Fett on his own, but it's actually just Rex. Could be. <laughs> That'd be a, there you go. So any, any number of things, but yeah, I'm guessing probably the closest, if... Okay, first of all, that's if it's actually true that Boba that he's going to be in Mando, if he's going to be Boba Fett and all that stuff. Most likely, 
I'd say the closest thing you said is that they'll just change it and he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit and and lived or potentially <laughs> hunted that guy down and killed him because they don't need he's he's no longer needed for the story. So he's gone now. Right. Now, another bit of more Mando news. So I remember a long time ago, way back, way back in yesteryear of 2019, when Mandalorian was coming out, and I'd seen, I'm not a big Twitter user, but Katie Sackoff, who was Bo-Katan in Clone Wars and Rebels, had put out a tweet, I believe, that said something about getting to fulfill a dream or something like that, and somehow, I don't know, somebody made some comment towards it being having to do with Star Wars and of who she was in Star mm-hmm. Wars. And then she kind of got all sly about it, supposedly. So people even then were wondering if maybe she had filled, spilled something for the Mandalorian. And now there's rumors that supposedly she's going to be in Mandalorian season two as Bo-Katan. And that would be, that would also be really, really cool if that happened and she yeah. showed up. And I'm not sure I'd have to look at the timeline again. So, or I don't know. I guess I just don't know if she'd have the dark saber at that point or if when she would have had the dark saber compared to Mando, obviously we know Gideon has it now during the Mando, but I don't know when she yeah. would have had it compared to the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? So I'm right. assuming in my mind, my thought is I wonder if she'd be in some sort of flashback, maybe getting killed by Gideon to take the dark mm. saber. Versus actually showing up mm-hmm. and being like, that's what he, he has, the dark state. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be cool either way. Yeah. So another thing I had seen, very, very slight rumors, supposedly, again, is that they were going to, and they haven't cast her yet, but supposedly it's been talked about that Sabine will show up in Mandalorian Season 2, which again would make sense that she would be after whoever had the dark saber at that point too maybe yeah. because if they killed Bo-Katan and very potentially she would already be with Ahsoka anyway with the way right. rebels ended right so yeah whole lot of stuff with Mandalorian season 2 coming out i hope out of all of this my my big dream is that uh you know disney has obviously realized that the Mandalorian was a huge success and people like you and me have been championing Dave Filoni, you know, for yeah. a long time. And he's, you know, the apprentice, you know, to George Lucas and all that stuff. But I hope that, um, uh, what comes out of all of this is that we see the continuation of the things that transpired at the end of the solo movie into a Disney TV series because I hope that Disney realizes there's that this is successful and people like this. They do. The platform is successful. The TV shows are successful. I don't know, but I'm assuming that things are coming in on budget. Like this is working financially for everyone too, so that they can keep doing stuff like this. And that there's enough, you know, fan support for the continuation of that story that maybe in a couple years we'll have the continuation of that because of the success of what's happening right now. I think what you're trying to say is you hope that Disney re-releases episodes 7, 8, and 9 under a what-if title. <laughs> so it'll be like episode 7, what if Luke instantly gave up? 
Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> and they just start over. I hope it's seven, eight, nine, the musical. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. And uh, I don't know. I we're gonna head down a slippery slope with that conversation. Yeah, we and better think, stop. Yep. Yeah, we're gonna. We should save that. We'll save it for another yeah. time. And don't think that we didn't realize that the Clone Wars ended either. Yes. We're saving that for um, another time for a more lengthy discussion on, on that because it deserves a lot more time. It does, and it deserves it, – we're going to probably fall down a slippery slope then, and we didn't want – I didn't didn't think this should be seven hours long to do that <laughs> right now. <laughs> this was going to be quite full anyway. But that stuff was is all fun stuff to talk about, um, to dream about. Is Boba Fett around? Is he not? Is Bo-Katan going to show up? Is she not? Is Ahsoka going to be super attractive when Rosario Dawson plays her? Yes. The answer is yes <laughs> to that one for sure. Um, but before, okay, before we move past that, you you and I both really liked episode nine, so... In my opinion, whatever you want to say about the sequel trilogy, I still thought it ended okay. But yeah. it was not overly popular amongst a lot of people. Makes you really worry about the future of Star Wars. Well, all this type of news sure makes you more excited about it again. I would hope anyway. Yeah. Because they're still certainly going for it. I hope that the pe- there's I hope that there's a population of people that, you know, got totally turned off by Star Wars because of the sequel trilogy are coming back because of stuff like the Mandalorian. And I hope this like, I hope so gets the Star Wars fan base back intact. I, I do too. Okay. So speaking of Star Wars fan bases, we're two of those people. So we're going to move on to our prime (laughs) focus. A long time ago in a galaxy far Far away. It's time for this episode's Prime Focus. This week, I gotta say real fast, so we're done to do Rogue Squadron. Next week, Rogue, Rogue Squadron. We did the first four issues of the comic book. I've never read these before this time. I've never read any of the Rogue Squadron stuff. It was just one of those things that I sort of just skipped. And actually, I can tell you the reason I skipped is because I had trouble getting the books at the time. So I just gave up. It happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I moved on past it. So this is the first time I read these X-Wing Rogue Squadron. So if you're listening to this and... I know these are really, really popular, so a lot of people have read them all. If you haven't, I'm in the same boat, learning it as we go. And I, spoiler alert, these first four issues were really good. But why don't you <laughs> tell us about them a little bit, or where we start anyway. Yeah, so the, it, we're, we're talking about uh, the first four issues of the X-Wing Rogue Squadron comic book. And the story arc is called The Rebel Opposition. And the story is by... Michael Stackpole, who is also the author of the first handful of X-Wing novels. Um, And he went on to write some more Star Wars stuff as well. And I enjoy his stuff quite a bit, personally. But anyway, these first four four issues, uh, they were released uh, July through October of 1995. And uh, 
this particular story takes place approximately a month after the events of Return of the Jedi. And like I said, this this series kicks off uh, a big, huge X-Wing story that, that goes through comic books and multiple novels, and everything is about the famous X-Wing group Rogue Squadron under the command of Wedge Antilles. And it's got a bunch of different members that come in and out, and we see people grow and evolve, and some of them even get killed, spoiler alert, but uh, we'll see who that is later. But uh, I myself, I've I've read quite a bit of the X-Wing stuff. Now, I haven't read all of it, but uh, it was one of my favorites for sure out of the Legends continuity. And I have the uh, Star Wars Omnibus in my hot little hand that I bought a while back. And I'm going to go ahead and read you the first page because we don't have an opening crawl or a back-of-the-book synopsis, so I'm going to read this instead. Star Wars Rogue Squadron The fighter squadrons of the Rebel Alliance were the home units of many great heroes in the battles against Palpatine's Galactic Empire, and none were more renowned than the pilots of Rogue Squadron. But it was after the turning point of the Battle of Endor when the Rogues, under the leadership of Wedge Antilles, proved their true importance to the New Republic. With an assortment of different fighter craft and an ever-changing roster of pilots, Rogue Squadron was instrumental in keeping the Imperial remnants in check and allowing the fledgling New Republic the time it needed to solidify its political and military base. These are the stories of the Rogue Squadron. Boom. Okay. There you go. Before we get into talking about these first four issues, we kind of put out just a quick, how do we get to this point with Rogue Squadron and their place in, in the movies up till now? And I think it's a good thing to talk about because, you know, they're just so... It's not like Rogue Squadron was a big part of the movies in name or right. anything like that. But, boy, it if you hear... Mo- I, I shouldn't say most people, but I think a lot of people, they hear Rogue Squadron, immediately think of Star Wars. So it's 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 out mm-hmm. there in the, in the ether, yeah. as it were. So I'll just quickly... Episode 4... So it was Red Group attacking the first Death Star, and that was the first appearance of Wedge, who, as we know, is going to be leading Rogue Squadron. So it was a big deal. He was Red, too. Of course, Luke flew with that group because somebody had to take out the Death Star, <laughs> and it wasn't going to be anyone else. And in that time, we we had what I want to say are the two biggest deaths in the entirety of Star Wars. And if you don't agree... <laughs> You're just a bad person. <laughs> Biggs, who we all know was Luke's best good childhood friend because he was in the right. movie a whole bunch. And so we know <laughs> they were super best friends. No, there's that deleted scene where they talked to each other that one time. Yep. <laughs> but yep. no, he's not in it much. But of course, yes, we know that he also grew up on Tatooine and the biggest death of all time in any in any movie, Porkins. Going down, Hero of the Republic, Porkins. 
going down <laughs> was miserable. <laughs> so that's what we saw in episode four. Couldn't eject. <laughs> what we see in episode the five. Yeah, The Empire Strikes Back. Don't know if you've seen that one or not. But this is where we get the actual first appearance of the quote-unquote Rogue Squadron. It's when they actually say the words Rogue Rogue. Squadron. And they're at uh, Echo Base on Hoth. Uh, At this point in time, Luke has become Rogue Leader. Um, Wedge is still there. He's Rogue 3. And Wes Jansen is his gunner in the Snowspeeder at Echo Base. And the reason we're throwing these names out here is because these names are going to come up throughout these comic books and novels and stuff. So just kind of getting familiar with everything. Um, also a notable name is Hobby is uh, Rogue Four. They all made it out of the Battle of Hoth as rogues. They were actually called rogues at that point. Survivors. So how about... Uh, how about Return of the Jedi? What happens in that movie? Then we moved on to Return of the Jedi, where the Empire had fast-tracked a second Death Star to completion. It is fully operational. <laughs> till Wedge, who is now Red Leader, is like, hey, you know what? If I take over, we're actually going to destroy it for real this time. So he he's Red Leader <laughs> in that one. Get to kind of see him stepping up to be in charge. And again... Yes. I like bringing it up because in our minds, and I think in a lot of people's minds that read these books, Wedge is a huge character, and he's really not in the movies very much to be such a huge (laughs) character. Because in my mind, I mean, of course you have Han and Luke and Leia um, as as big characters from the movies, and Chewbacca and C-3PO and R2-D2 there, and then it's like Lando, and then right below Lando is Wedge. Yeah. And, and But he was just not in them <laughs> for him to be such a huge character <laughs> in my mind. But either way, right. he is still there, and he's taking out Death Stars because that's what he does for a living. He destroys Death Stars. That's right. <laughs> but hey, we got something out of Disney too, didn't we? Yeah, so the movie Rogue One, which is, for me personally, right there with the empire strikes back as far as the best star wars movie ever i love that movie Bodhi, the imperial pilot who defects he is the one that coins the term rogue one and in disney canon this is where rogue group got its name we haven't really seen any more since then about the rogues maybe we will in the future with disney i don't know but uh that's where it all began and incidentally in Return of the Jedi, Lando, you know, flies in with Wedge to destroy the Death Star. Lando was gold leader. He was. And in the Disney canon at the end of Episode Nine, do you remember what system Lando says he's from? I don't. Gold system. <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> How about that? It all makes it all coming together. Uh, tightly woven <laughs> tapestry. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Well, okay, so moving on. So uh, we said we were going to talk about the first four issues of this. So our first issue, I believe Dustin said, takes place roughly a month after Return of the Jedi. Yep. So Rogue Squadron making a food convoy run to the from Silpar to Merlst. I hate when they <laughs> don't put vowels and stuff. I don't know how you're supposed to say that word. But that's what it is. That's what it is today. Marist. 
They get there. They get attacked by ties. All the rogues do cool things because Rogue Squadron is cool, and I don't think there's any debating that. But anyway, they're there. They got to meet their contact, who just goes by Targeter. Right. That's who they're looking for. They run into, I I want to say Rebels. I couldn't really say Rebels. The the group that <laughs> the group they run in underground group they run into while they're there. Yeah. Right. Like an underground rebellion. Yeah. But an not underground the rebellion. rebellion proper. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, they uh, they get in a little scrap right off the bat. And I will say, um, the first time I saw episode seven, when mm-hmm. the X Wings are flying in atmosphere, like on a planet, oh. like above the ground, yes, immediately made me think of these comic books because yes. we didn't have that in the original trilogy. They were all in space. That's what I thought of when I read the comic books. <laughs> Was that bit in episode? Because that bit in episode seven is awesome. Yeah, and right out of the gate in this very first comic book, the very first page is it's X wings fighting Tie fighters in atmosphere over a jungle. You know, in in the way they talk to each other, this they really go for like that flyboy mentality or whatever you want to call it. It, it does make you think of Top Gun a little bit. And uh, oh, definitely. All I can think reading this is, man, they either intentionally, I'm guessing very unintentionally, sure made it seem like Poe would fit in with all these people in episode oh, in 79. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. Just, and I kept thinking, that's like, man, they could have, if, I don't know, alternate universe, whatever, if they made a movie <laughs> of Poe before episode seven, where he's leading his group mm-hmm. and they acted like this, that would be awesome. It would just be fantastic. There's a comic book series there is. Of, about that, and it's 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 okay. It's not bad, but yeah, you you could definitely see uh see that movie take place. That would be pretty sweet. I would I would It'd pay my fun. pay my hard earned money to see that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, <laughs> I would too. Jansen, who we uh, talked about before, wedges Snowspeeder Gunner from The Empire Strikes Back. Everybody's flying an X-Wing, right? Well, his X-Wing gets shot down. And we get introduced to, at this point, my personal favorite rogue, Taicho Selchu. And he decides to land to recover Jansen. So he's going to go into the jungle to try to recover Jansen because he went he went a-crashing into the jungle. Yes, he does. So the rogues basically head back to their makeshift base on the planet Silpar. Uh, we meet a couple other members of the rogue squadron. Here's some yeah. good old name names without uh, vowels. Yeah. Plur and blur. Plur and blur. <laughs> Plur is a uh, female uh, rogue pilot, and blur is a Celestin rogue pilot. And uh, incidentally, Wedge mentions that he's been flying with most of the pilots in rogue squadron since the battle of bakura so we get that thing again of you know bringing everything together i love stuff like that it doesn't hurt that i really like that story that truce of bakura story but then for him to say oh oh, god get him wedge which of course (laughs) that was like a week ago i suppose (laughs) for that to happen so it hadn't been very long (laughs) but right yeah that's true (laughs) Either way, 
Taicho finds Jansen, who does have a broken leg, inside his crashed X-Wing. So they aren't going to get him anywhere, and he can't get Jansen into his X-Wing, so they, they have to stay, stay in a cave overnight, get their camping skills on. I assume they've been trained in, in the art of survival. Right. Or not. I don't know. Maybe they'll both die. <laughs> As all uh, rebellion soldiers should have been. They should have been. So at that point, then, the underground, the rebellion going on on this planet, probably shouldn't keep saying that, but I'm kind of, they find Rogue Squadron <laughs> at their base. Uh, this is where I meet Elskul. That's what I said, how I pronounce it to myself the whole time. Elskul Loro, who, in my mind, seemed to be the leader of the underground. Right. At least of what we saw, she's the leader of the underground. And uh, she tells him, that the local moth has cut a deal to squash that local opposition, which is them. They're yes. the underground. So Elskul's going to take the roads to her hometown just to show Wedge, like, hey, look how bad it is because her hometown's been destroyed. And so that she can show yeah. them what's going on. And it's on. pretty, some of the stuff they find or that she shows them is pretty brutal. It is. It's rough. <laughs> um, We see a. Uh, there's a guy hanging. <laughs> they apparently yeah. hung hung a guy and left him out to dry and <laughs> turn him into jerky. Yeah, she's trying to make Wedge feel bad in some spots because he's like, What's this? And she's like, This used to be my house. It's a pile of rubble, you a hole. <laughs> this know, and, was a daycare. <laughs> yeah. It uh it's that pretty, was a daycare pretty rough. And over there was also a daycare. <laughs> Except for that part, that was a children's <laughs> hospital. Do you feel bad yet? <laughs> yeah, so while they're going through the rubble in, in her hometown, basically, uh, back in the cave, Taicho and Jansen are surprised because a person comes walking in the cave where they're hanging out, and they believe it's Princess Leia. It looks just like Princess Leia, so, so it must obviously be. they're pretty shocked. Yes, it must be. <laughs> so back in Elskul's hometown, Wedge and her are talking and he's trying to get her to understand that they are on the same side, and he does talk about the fact that he destroys Death Stars for a living, and he's been involved in destroying two of them, and she's been involved in destroying none of them, I assume is how he says it, and then just <laughs> looks down at her. And then at that point, we also learn that Tycho or Tycho, is it Tycho or Tycho? I never did know. I, I used to say Tycho, but I've started saying Tycho in the last... So many years. I'm good but, with uh, Taicho. I don't know. Either way, doesn't matter what his name is, he was Wedge's wingman. And that's good stuff there. Now, we're nearing the end of chapter one or issue one, and our moth comes barreling in. And then it said to be continued. That's right. The moth the moth shows up in an ATSD and he's ready to start blowing up some rebels, figuratively and and the actual proper rebels. But uh, going back to Taicho real quick, since he is my favorite rogue, I just wanted to mention, we find out that he's Wedge's wingman, like you said, and uh, he is one of the A-wing pilots that when they go into the Death Star and they try to get some of the ties, they try to split the group to see if some of the ties will follow the other group out of the Death Star so that they wouldn't be on Wedge and Lando. Well, Taicho is actually the one in the A-wing that, veers off and tries to lead some of the other ties out of the Death Star. So always helping. Just out. wanted to throw that in there. 
<laughs> Always wanted to help out. So moving on to our second issue. The rogues and Eskel's underground opposition group have to, they're heading for Native Temple to try to get cover from the Imperial attack that is coming on. So again, we get another mention, you know, talk about the temple being pretty much indestructible, but Eskel makes it, Eskel makes a comment that they tried to sell the material to none other than Talon card, but they couldn't dismantle it because it was seemingly indestructible. So again, it comes back to that mentioning the wider world. And this is going to keep striking me as we go through this, because talking about a movie like with the Taika Waititi making it and how you're saying, well, I just don't want it to happen. I want it to be outside the main story. Well, at this point, this story we're reading is outside of what I would consider the main story going on with that being like the Imperial stuff that would still be happening Mm -hmm. that we, you know, know is probably happening right now, but this is outside of that. But they've mentioned the wider world and I would be fine with something like that, I guess. Sure. If they did a side story of whoever during episode whatever, during episode seven and they mention the first order in there or even run into some first order stormtroopers that that I'm fine with that, but don't have it affect anything like that. I totally agree. And this is kind of an example of how you can make that work. Yeah. I think anyway. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, anyhow, after totally veering off the path there, <laughs> the <laughs> rogues in the underground team up to hold off the Imperial attack long enough to call in their X wings via slave circuit controls. Just like I call my car. That's right. <laughs> I wish. On their their key fob. Yeah, on their key fob. <laughs> so, meanwhile, back at the cave, uh, Taicho and Jansen find out that the woman who they thought was Princess Leia is actually Winter. Sure is. So, again, bringing in more characters. So, this is the third time that we've talked about it already of, you know, making this whole thing one big cohesive story. Uh, and if, if you don't remember Winter, she first appeared in the Thrawn trilogy. And, you know, they mentioned she was an aide of Princess Leia and yeah. she looked just like Princess Leia. And she's the one in the uh, Jedi Academy trilogy that was taking care of the twins and uh, all that good stuff. So, when she, yeah, she was the one protecting them when they, she's kind of a Billy Bad Ankle. And it, I think it's mentioned, I can't remember, is it mentioned in the Throne Trilogy talks about what her role was during the Civil War? Yeah. And she was a spy and stuff then, too. And one of her calling cards is the fact that she can pass for Leia. Mm-hmm. So she explains to Taicho and Jansen that the local moth was going to surrender to the Alliance, but then he up and wiped out these two suburbs. And... Uh, she says that there have been rumors of a new Grand Admiral, dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Who we all know is Thrawn. <laughs> yeah, who we all know is Thrawn, and again, referencing what's going on on the outside, in the outside world. So, yeah, up to this point, I, I do really like the comic books, but I really think it picks up now because you get to see versatility with our rogues, and that Taicho mm-hmm. decides that he's just straight up going to go undercover in his Imperial pilot to figure out what's going on and he just marches in and i think it's awesome he's just like yeah i was supposed (laughs) to be here got shot down but i'm here now what's up and they're just like okay (laughs) and i think it it, you know obviously it's written 
that way, but I just in my mind it's because there's no hesitation. He just says this is this is the deal. I'm here to help you, but I got shot down along the way, so what's up? I'm, yeah. I'm here now. Give me a ship. And they just do. And I like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile, Wedge and the other rogues jump in their X-Wings and uh, do a little counterattack on the Moss forces. But when word of the Imperial reinforcements is heard, the rogues must retreat back to their base. Elskal makes a deal with Wedge, and she says if the rogues help topple the Imperial Moth... She'll hand over the supplies that the Alliance contact, named Targeter, that we mentioned before, left for their little resistance. And uh, Wedge agrees, and they all head off as one group to go acquire the military supplies. So, now as we mentioned, Taicho just marches in and says he's here. And another, this just kind of fun, after he figures out that basically he's, he's there, so now it's time to go attack rogue squadron so he's gonna get in his tie and do it he's given a helmet from a dead imperial soldier named of all things finn which is kind of fun obviously very coincidental doesn't mean anything but it is kind of fun that that's that that's what he or that's what just the name they happen to choose anyway or they can see the future yeah we assume it's coincidental yeah i mean for all we know you know michael arndt or jj abrams or Lawrence kasdan or Whoever of the 18 billion people that helped write The Force Awakens, maybe that's where they got the name. Who knows? I'm going to say no, that they have no idea this exists. <laughs> that they've actively... Unfortunately, made, you're probably right. <laughs> that they've actively made sure they don't know. Anyway, that's the end of <laughs> Chapter 2. Moving on to the third issue. So, <laughs> I this part was fun. So, Taicho is in his eyeball. I like that they keep calling him eyeballs. Yeah, TIE Fighter's eyeballs. And so, he's in his TIE Fighter, or in a TIE Fighter, and they're going to go go after the rogues. So, he calls his R2 unit and tells him to bring his X-Wing, essentially, to the fight. And uh, he's yes. going to kind of use his, use his X-Wing a little bit during the fight, too. He figures out how to talk to his... R2 unit without them knowing and all that stuff. And it's kind of, it's just kind of neat uh, to see all that. So Wedge and Eskel, they see Taicho's X-Wing <laughs> come flying over. So they realize something's going to be happening. So they get ready to go to, and in fact, they even start fighting TIE fighters from the ground. Yeah. And uh, so meanwhile, Taicho's X-Wing arrives in the battle, shoots down a few TIEs, and then also shoots Taicho down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's Much also, to his surprise. He, he's begging him, not, you got to stop and all this time. And then he, and he yeah. even talks about it, doing a specific move that it must have learned from him and all that stuff. But he gets shot down <laughs> and he ejects. And then like as he's floating down, talks about hopefully that his X-Wing doesn't shoot him down now that he's parachuting <laughs> to the ground. But either way, he does survive. And right after that, well, pretty close to right after that. We do actually find out that it wasn't just his R2 unit. It was actually Winter. She had climbed into the X-Wing to send out a signal. And as she was, when she yeah. got in there, coincidences abound, the X-Wing took off. And so she was like, whatever, I'll start murdering people then. And that's, if that's, <laughs> that's what right. you want. 
you're all going to pay, <laughs> which it is pretty neat. And it's kind of funny when he does eventually run into, they do run into each other and he mentions it. And she was like, Oh yeah, that was my bad. I sort of shot you down, <laughs> but that's okay. They Whoops. get over it real quick. So back at the rogue base, uh, there's been a lot of speculation throughout, you know, these first three issues about, uh, who tipped off the Imperials of the, the rogues arrival, uh, because they were really surprised that when they got there for this, you know, simple food convoy that they were going to do, that they got attacked by, you know, Imperial, uh, TIE fighters or eyeballs as they like to call them. Eyeballs. So El Skull finally decides to send one of her soldiers, a guy named Vance, I'm assuming is Bob Vance from the office. It is. Vance Refrigeration. It is Bob Vance. (laughs) (laughs) To go get Targeter, who we know is Winter, and bring her back to the rogue's base. So this whole whole thing that is set into motion right here kind of comes back around here right at the end of the issue. It does. So Taicho, after getting shot down by his own X-Wing, He's marching through the jungle, and he finds Wedge and Elskull, or he goes to the temple that Wedge and Elskull had only left shortly before. And then at that point, we do see Vance get a space Imperial Space Trooper suit. And by we, I mean those of us reading, not the broader people in the story. Yeah. We also learn that Taicho is a formal, in, former Imperial who left his home, who left after his home of Alderaan was destroyed, Something that's, you know, common. I don't know if I want to say common, but it happens once or twice throughout the expanded universe that people defected from the Empire after they ran roughshod over their home home planet. Yeah. Or in the case of yeah. Daicho, after they straight destroyed Alderaan, and he's not the only one that left after Alderaan was destroyed. So it happens, but it's a pretty good excuse, I would say, to sure. leave to leave yeah. the the Empire. Anyhow, Vance g- travels to the cave to retrieve Winter. But Jansen and Winter are very surprised when they see that Vance shows up and is escorted by Imperial Stormtroopers. And at this point, we realize Vance, he must be the spy, that son of a buck. Oh, man. Now I've got to wait a whole month for, for issue four to come out. We do. Oh, wait. No, I don't. Now that we're recording our podcast in June of 1995, I don't even know. I don't remember when it came out, but we're going to pretend that that's what it is. So it did already come down. (laughs) Anyhow, moving forward. Next issue, Tycho. Tycho's still traveling through the jungle. He's He's in his brand spanking new used Imperial pilot uniform. And he, he runs into Imperials, and they allow him to board, where, shockingly, he sees Winter being held prisoner. So that that's the point where she says, oh, by the way, that was me in the X-Wing, yeah. you know, that shot you down and shot all this stuff. So uh, so they're in, like, this uh, convoy of transports heading, heading to the Imperial base. They take Winter to the local Imperial governor, who is not shy about explaining to Winter how he has quickly moved up the ranks in the Empire and how he's expecting visitors because everything that he personally has done on this planet to wrap up 
this little rebellion is going to get him some kudos with uh with his uh, superiors and we we find out we find out that there's an imperial star destroyer that just arrived he definitely showed up to class that day where they said villains are supposed to say their plan immediately <laughs> yeah said, yes. i've done all this and i'm great anyhow <laughs> back at the rogues base you see wedge well vance shows up and tells wedge that the imperials have captured princess leia he doesn't mention that he helped him he just says it happened <laughs> so they decide the group then decides they're going to attack the imperials wedge and the rogues are going to be in air support which would make sense and L school's forces will be on the ground. So right. then Taicho just moving up Imperial ranks like it's no big deal. <laughs> Still undercover is ordered to lead a TIE fighter group against his comrades. So he's going to take out all Rogue Squadron himself. But during the <laughs> engagement, Taicho just like, hey, by the way, I'm also part of Rogue Squadron. And so then he makes it known which one he's in. And this is what I really thought was cool in the comic book. After he says who it is, I can't remember who it is. It might've been wedge actually shoots a yellow dye packet at him to mark his yeah. ship. So they all know, Hey, don't kill that guy. He's also going to be killing <laughs> right. eyeballs. And I really liked that. I thought that was kind of neat that, that that's that. Ah, yep. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. They keep, they also have paint guns <laughs> on there. <laughs> so why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. So, during all of this, uh, Vance and Elskull are on the ground leading the ground forces, and Vance reveals to her that he's working for the Empire. And so while he's trying to overtake the transport that they're on, uh, we haven't mentioned Groznik, the Wookiee, who is... We really haven't. He's Elskull's... Uh, they call it a blood debt in this comic book. He was the friend of Elskull's husband who died fighting the empire and then Groznik transferred his blood debt he had with her husband to her Groznik comes in and promptly throws vance overboard and he he had been trying to get this space trooper suit that he stole out of the cave yeah right and he he goes to try to put it on after he gets chucked out of there and there's these animals that are native to the planet called ronks i think they were they're kind of like a dog cat hybrid thing and uh i guess there's one hiding in the hiding in the space suit yeah and it bites his arm off bites his arm off because it's star wars and (laughs) and limbs just go flying at any time right right. but as he gets his arm bitten off because it needed to happen (laughs) rogues elskull's forces push back the local Imperials and they win as we, as we all knew they would the star destroyer that was orbiting that had the local moths celebratory party on it leaves because <laughs> they don't have control of the planet anymore. Moff is arrested and L school's going to join wedge and the new Republic. And that's the end. Everybody's going to fly off to their next mission. That's right. Very enjoyable. Okay. Yes. So we're going to move on now. That was kind of our, I would say quick, but it probably wasn't very quick summary because we did enjoy that one. So what was your favorite part of these four issues of comic books? I think my favorite part is, and, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit in our episode spotlight too, but 
I think my favorite part, honestly, is, and not to make a pun or a bad joke out of this, but my favorite part is expanding the universe. Exactly. The expanded universe of this whole thing. Like we talked about all the references they had to other expanded universe novels and stuff that had come a few years before, you know, when Timothy Zahn kicked the whole thing off with the Thrawn trilogy, you know, we're getting references to those books and stuff. And stuff that would be going on right now. Yeah, exactly. So that that's probably my favorite part about the beginning, the outset of this whole thing. It's uh that's pretty much similar to what I was going to go to too in that uh, it it's four episodes of a comic book. There's not a lightsaber in sight. There's not a force user in sight. It's just a good example of we don't have to have that for it to be a Star Wars because there is nothing about this that doesn't scream Star Wars. The whole thing feels oh, like yeah. a Star Wars story and not just because they have X-Wings. Of course, we all know those are very iconic and that they're and they are X-Wings, but the way they act, the what they do, it just feels like boy, that's that's what I would that's what I would envision pilots for the rebellion that wasn't ever supposed to win. That's how I'd envision back. They're they're sure of themselves, if not a little bit cocky. Mm-hmm. And uh it makes sense and it expands on what's going on and it also shows that well, you know, for as much as they still have to worry about the Empire, they do have other things they have to do help out the galaxy in the wake of the empire like this what was supposed to be a very simple food run that happened it is yeah. uh it is it was it's really really good and it's just uh we picked a good time to maybe talk about move new movies for star wars because i think this is just another good example of it doesn't have to have jedi and all that stuff in it right it can it can be totally outside of that and be very 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 good and this is one of the yeah. so We've talked about how great it is, so what was awful about it? <laughs> Since this is a comic book, I've got to mention the artwork. And uh, I will say that the artwork in these first four issues isn't the greatest. As the comic book progresses, I think the artwork gets better. Uh, these first four are very traditional comic strip style artwork, and in 1995, man, in the early 90s, like a few years before this, we had had some pretty amazing comic book artwork that had started to evolve out of what the 70s and the 80s were. And this still felt like it was still kind of stuck back in the 80s style of comic strip kind of artwork. And I remember when these came out, I was, you know... I would go to the comic book store. I was reading other stuff at the time. 95 I was probably I was probably reading Punisher at the time, but I would, you know, kind of go through the Star Wars stuff just kind of see what was coming out and I I do remember thumbing through the issues and seeing the artwork and kind of thinking, "Eh, man, this isn't this isn't that great." And the way I was at that time, I wasn't going to read the comic book if I didn't think the artwork was very good. And I didn't think it was very good in these. So it took me a while to to come around and, and start reading these. But uh, I would say the artwork for this first story arc is a little lackluster in my opinion. 
that sounds like a good thing to pick at because I really struggle to find what to pick at because I like the story. I think it's fast-paced. It's also a good example of some of their interactions with each other. There's not just outright comedy, but they're humorous. Is it, it like yeah. it feels like people talking to each other, and I like that kind of thing. So I really struggle to think of what I I don't like about it, and uh, I just I don't know. I I could never really figure out anything I felt strong enough to to say. So I'm not gonna say something just to say it. I guess. Yeah. So I'm gonna leave it be and say what I didn't like was how hard it was to figure out what I didn't like. That's fine. So moving <laughs> past that. It's time for this episode's Spotlight. We're going to have our episode Spotlight. Well, this time, and, you know, this is one we probably just needed to get out of the way right away. Uh, our episode Spotlight is going to be Wedge. He's he's the leader of Rogue Squadron. He's Krillian. He first shows up in A New Hope like we talked about. He's in all the way through Return of the Jedi. And, you know, had moved up some, but he's, again, a very smart, okay, what he was doing in those movies was important, but he has a very small part, you know, right. actual on-screen yeah. part of that. Yeah. But beyond that, he's done other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Coincidentally, uh, Dennis Lawson, the actor that plays Wedge in the movies, it, we had mentioned this before um, when we were reviewing the Thrawn trilogy the, the novel trilogy, he is the one who reads the abridged audiobooks. If you ever find those out in the ether, which is really strange <laughs> that, he, that they chose him to read the, the audiobooks, but that's him. And then, of course, in the Disney canon episode nine, you know, that came out not too long ago, Dennis Lawson reprises his role as Wedge. If only for one line in about two and a half seconds as he's sitting in the gun turret in the Millennium Falcon. Okay, so here's a question for you. There may have been more than once where we've strayed off the beaten path of what we're supposed to be talking about and started talking about other things. And one of the things we've talked about multiple times is episode eight. And I think most recently when we were talking about, uh, I can't even think of her name now from Trusa Bakur and how she goes out and it made me think of, Oh, Gariel? Gariel. And it made me think of... Now, I can't think of her name either. Purple hair from episode eight. Holdo. Holdo. Yeah, Admiral Holdo. And we talked about how... And it and it wasn't like we had the original thought, but if that would have been Admiral Akbar instead, and that would have made more sense. And at the time, we even brought up wondering if it had something to do with the fact that he's a giant fish. And people may not be able to mm-hmm. be emotionally attached to him. People could have been emotionally attached to Wedge. Absolutely. Though... Yeah. You know, that would have been, as opposed to having one line in episode nine, what if he would have been in episode eight because he would? it would make sense for him to be a trusted, very trusted source of Leia that he she would want him to take over. And it would also make sense for Poe to look up to him and then even maybe you could even see more internal conflict with Poe of, I don't want to question, this guy's a freaking hero. I don't want to question yeah. him as opposed to his throwaway line of, oh, Admiral Holdo, the one that did that one thing no one's ever heard of. But if it was like, well, this is Wedge, he killed two Death Stars. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we kind of have to listen to him, but then have him still fall down the path of, 
not trusted him or, you know, and having the coup and all that. And then, mm-hmm. and then with Wedge doing that, I don't know. I just don't know. This is why, this is why <laughs> we need to save that Clone Wars discussion for another day. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I guess all I'm saying is maybe, maybe he could have had a part in seven, eight, nine. Yeah. It's too bad that he didn't have more of a role, you know, and maybe he wanted nothing to do with it, and what he did in episode nine was all the more he was willing to do. I have no idea. I'm not right. Dennis Lawson, nor am I Disney. <laughs> I, I had heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, that Dennis Lawson didn't want to reprise his role yeah. as Wedge. And the fact that they did get him back was a big deal because nobody yeah. thought that that was going to happen. And it may have been something where because you hear about this once in a while where people do stuff like that and it's more of a favor for somebody they like. Right. So maybe there's sure. somebody involved that he liked. Or maybe he maybe he likes mm-hmm. Mark Hamill and he asked him to. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Maybe he likes Carrie Fisher and when she passed away, he said, sure. I have no idea. And, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and that's, and that would make sense. And saying something, you saying something like that maybe almost even makes you think, well, if we knew, if, if that rumor had been going around, maybe it come, came around because... Maybe originally they did have an idea for him to do something like Admiral Holdo. Probably not, but maybe. And maybe he said sure. no. So, like Count Dooku, yeah. they just threw somebody else in there as opposed to having Jar Jar Binks <laughs> become the ultimate evil like he was supposed to. So, it, it, just, it just moves forward and, and Star Wars changes. Anyhow, we brought this up, but it's worth bringing up one more time. So, Wedge is a good example of a side character from the movies that becomes very, very much a main character. And like I said earlier, I below the first three and honestly, I really kind of include Lando with those first three by the time you run through uh, sure. an expanded universe. So I really include those first four and then wedge is the smallest tick below them. Yeah. That it, in my opinion anyway, now, yeah, there's other characters that are new to the expanded universe that, you know, are easily up there too. Obviously, the children and Mara Jade and whatnot. But of ones that would be born directly from the movies, I he's certainly right up there, and it's kind of cool. It shows kind of yeah. the power of an expanded universe, I guess. Absolutely. Okay, so normally now we would go to our roll the dice segment and talk about nerding out on Star Wars role-playing game and stuff, but instead, first, we're going to rate this sucker. So what would you rate it? I'm giving this uh, as close to a 5 as I can. Maybe maybe a 4.75 severed limbs. I'm liking it. I like it. I'm getting it a 4.5. Very, very high. Yeah. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this this story arc that we're that we're starting to come upon. So I'm going to take my lightsaber and chop off 4.75 limbs. I probably have to retroactively change the ratings of the Carillion trilogy to much, much lower because these four comic <laughs> books are easily three times better than those, co- than those books put together. So if it's a four or five, <laughs> then combined those could only be a one and a half. So those now each get a 0.5. You, they've got, they got bumped down. They got bumped down. <laughs> That's the way it is now. <laughs> I like Either it. way, yes, we both really liked them. Now, 
Now, so normally, like I said, we do our roll the dice segment, but now we're going to do that now. Tell me, how do you feel about 45-year-old virgins who still live with their parents? Comb the sweethearts out of your beard and you're on. Grab your tower. It's time to roll the dice. Yeah, so we got a little bit of a surprise for you guys, and uh, depending on how things go, this might be uh, kind of a regular thing that we're going to do as we go through this X-Wing story arc. So on a Roll the Dice segment, we are going to play for you guys some of our live play in uh, space combat using Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars RPG space combat rules. So this that we're getting ready to play for you guys is the first of a two-part uh, live play series that uh, Neil and I and Gary and Nate of uh, the Staggering Dragon crew, um, we got together and, and played through some of this stuff. Now, none of us were very experienced in no. any of the, the role-playing game space combat rules. There's a lot that goes into it. Um and we kind of wanted to show you guys what it's like as opposed to what we normally do is we just kind of talk about what you could do. Well, we're going to give you guys some actual live play examples of what it feels like, what you things you might run into, things that we ran into. Anyway, this is this is about 25 minutes long or so and this is the first round of our combat. It's very crunchy. There's not a lot of story here. This is us nope. Figuring our way through this thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That this, this wasn't this little bit wasn't meant to be a story or anything. It was we essentially needed to try it, so we recorded ourselves trying it. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, this was not the first time we tried it either. <laughs> yeah, we, right. We yeah, tried a we few make times. we make some. Yeah, we make some jokes at the beginning that we're still playing this. You know fantasy flight game but uh yeah this i got i don't even i don't know how many times in total we played but even the night that we recorded this i think this was number three or four <laughs> i think it was four and yeah. uh, so we had we had screwed up stuff because i don't know we were doing a lot of we were doing a lot of screwing up which we expected but then we also had unfortunate technical issues that were out of anybody's control yeah. so then we started over yeah but then the technical issues fixed themselves, <laughs> so we had to start over again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but in the end, we got it done. Yeah, I think we started on we started a Friday evening about seven, and we finished on Sunday, I believe, to get the twenty five <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> it felt like it. it felt did. like it. So um, we're gonna likely adopt the the reason I talked about the Forge at the beginning of the podcast, uh, the Forge Genesis podcast is because we're going to likely adopt some or pot. I don't know if I want to go fully into the Genesis vehicle rules. There's things that are a little bit different. Um, I, I feel that there's some stuff that uh, is best kept with the star Wars rules. So we're probably going to do a hybrid of the star Wars and Genesis RPG rules in the, on our next one in the future with this stuff. But right now, we wanted to start at the beginning, you know, with the basic rules from the Star Wars RPG to get a feel for that before we really started changing stuff up. And like I said at the beginning of the show, 
episodes 15 and 17 of The Forge is where you're going to get all the information regarding the FFG Star Wars vehicle combat rules versus the Genesis vehicle combat rules. All that being said, for what you're about to hear, we did have some house rules yeah. that I that I stole from an old Order 66 podcast episode. And it was number 108 and it was called Space the Narrative Frontier. You want to maybe sure. just give a couple examples of some house rules we did? So, one of them, we had three important ones. One was a barrel roll. We added in a barrel roll where basically you could, if you got hit, you could uh, scream the words barrel roll and then you could <laughs> trade damage for straight. And it always made me chuckle because you're basically, oh, I got hit. I meant barrel roll. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> After you got hit, you decided to go ahead and dodge that a little bit. So anyway, you could trade damage for strain. So to help keep your your armor up or your vehicle's hit points up a little bit. Then we did another yeah. one. This one I keep waffling back and forth on. We did shield points. So you got five shield points for every rating of shield. So just quickly, example, I was in an X-Wing in it. I have two shields. They default to one in the front, one in the back. You can move them around. So if I got hit in the front, then I had an extra five hit points, but they were shield points. And after you lose those, they're gone. So there's some mm -hmm. good and some bad about that because you also give that person a setback die for your shields. So if they go away, if you got hit hard enough and one hit, they're gone. Where to yeah. normally get rid of shields, it's something like three advantages. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I still waffle back and forth on that one. That one's tough. But you can't have both. Right. I don't. I can't. You can't have five shield points, but then still keep the setback die. So, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's not a discussion <laughs> for right now. That's probably something that might be. All these house rules, maybe stuff we will change on the fly. Oh yeah, it's just the way it is. Another thing we did. The speed differential of opponents was adding boosts or setback die. So, for example, if my speed was five and Dustin and the GM's enemy's ship was a three and I was rolling, I got two boosts die because my speed was faster and vice versa. If he was shooting at me, he would get two setback die because my speed was faster. Now, I believe mm -hmm. we changed that up already <laughs> didn't we because we made yeah. it now i'm going to screw it up we decided if you were shooting lasers it counted but if you were shooting something like a missile then we weren't using it was that right or do i have it backwards correct nope that's yeah that's it that's it because we decided it would make a difference yeah because we thought missiles or proton torpedoes was more of a target lock electronic type of thing as opposed to a dogfight shooting your lasers you know, back and forth at each other. So and our vast experience that's what we in did. space battles, that's <laughs> yeah. what we have noticed. Right. <laughs> right. In actual space battles. Okay, so that's our house <laughs> rules. Now we said this is pretty much no story, but we did give give it a little bit of, of something. Just so we yeah. got to get yourself in the mindset a little <laughs> bit anyway. Right. Yeah, so the little, the little inkling of fluff that we did have so, like I said, Neil and Gary and Nate were New Republic pilots, and they were patrolling their system. Uh, we had something real simple. And uh, a TIE Defender, the, the three-pronged TIE Fighter thing, uh, had been stolen. 
and was being escorted by two skip ray blast boats. And the PCs had to stop the three ships by any means necessary, and that's kind of just how we left it. Yep. For the little inkling of story we had. So Okay. Well we're gonna we're gonna play this for you guys and, and we'll uh we'll see you guys on the other side. Like I said, it's about twenty five minutes long. I hope you guys enjoy it. Maybe you'll learn something. We learned a little bit from it and uh we're gonna we're gonna probably have this be a, a reoccurring thing here in the future. So we'll see you guys after the live play. Enjoy. All right, we are playing Star Wars Fantasy Flight Games RPG. We're still playing it. We didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and we're going to try out some space combat. So, I have uh, some Rebellion slash New Republic ships flying in. Nate, what's your call sign and what are you flying? Uh, I am uh, Blue Nine. Blue Niner is the correct uh pronunciation blue niner i am flying an a-wing all right neil what's your call sign what you flying blue five flying an x-wing and gary what's your call sign what you flying i'm blue six uh i'm flying an e-wing i think the real call sign is sex is blue sex is what it is wow that's uh whoo Hey, you're also a Zexto, so you get four arms. That is correct. I hate Congratulations. I have four arms. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other two pilots are humans for our if you're if you're keeping score at home. We're gonna try out some space combat. So Zexto's what's happening, count as two, by the way. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what's happening is these guys are on patrol. Um, you get a call from your commander that a TIE Defender and two Skip Ray blast boats are barreling into your sector. Um, it appears that the TIE Defender has been uh, stolen by a criminal organization, and it is your job to stop this by any means necessary. God only knows what would happen if that TIE Defender fell into the wrong hands. So... Since we are playing Star Wars Fantasy Flight, let's go ahead and roll for our destiny pool. Blue 5, white pip. Blue 6, black pip. Blue 9, white pip. And for myself, a white pip. Wow. Things are going to be different this time. <laughs> Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Right. Things are going to start happening to me now. Thrill ho. Thrill, Thrill ho. ho. <laughs> Three white and one black for the Destiny Pool. All right. Uh, let's roll cool checks for our initiative. So, PC, NPC. PC, PC, NPC, NPC. Awesome. Hit it. All right. We, we're at medium range. It, it appears that we're all flying directly at each other. Uh, one of you guys gets to go first. Who wants to go? Get him, Nate. 
All right, so first thing I'm going to do is bump, 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 go from three to six with a punch it. Mm. And our house rule is that we have handling be the soak of your system strain when you punch it. So your handling is plus three, is that right? Yes, yeah, so I, I sustain no system strain for that maneuver. Okay. And I'm going to shoot at that defender. Am I at uh, short? Well, you're actually at uh, medium range for him right now. Uh, so if you punched it up to six, you can get right up in his grill if you want to spend a couple system strain. Yeah, for the fly drive, yeah, let's do that. And two pilot strain, is that correct? Yeah, that was two pilot only maneuvers, right? Yes. Okay. So you're you're just right up in all three of them, basically. I know this doesn't take advantage of my speed, uh, but I'm considering the concussion missiles so that I can get some blast going or some breach. Are you right in the middle of them? These guys these guys aren't flying in like a uh, formation not... like a minion group. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna sh I'm just gonna shoot that uh, that defender uh, with missiles. Okay. All right, he's going or speed with, with four. Lasers, I'm sorry, with lasers. He's going speed four. You're going six. So our house rule is that you're going to get two boost dice. Okay. You're going a little bit faster. Two purple for difficulty. Um, two purples, and it appears he has uh, shields. He has one forward and one aft. So add a setback for his shields, and uh, yeah, two purple difficulty. All right, so it's 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 a it's a, almost a balanced roll. Uh, I've got three green, one yellow, two blueed, two purple, and a setback. Bring Here it. We go. Oh, balls! Three advantage. Three advantage. Wow, that's a lot of blanks. That was one, two, three, four blanks. Brutal. Wow. Now, you missed him. Uh, obviously, but uh, you've got those three advantages. Well, I've got I've got three right, so I can give one to the next person and two to a specific person. Let's decide who's going to go next. Yeah, you could basically give uh, both, both both of both my people a, a, a boost dice. a boost die. Yeah. So so what happened is um, I didn't do any damage to a shield, but maybe maybe your shots uh, sent him off in a direction where they can. Uh, Line crosshairs, baby. A little bit right easier. in our crosshairs. Right. right. Yes. So what happened is uh, he had to uh, to dodge to avoid my incoming laser blasts, and he unfortunately guessed wrong, not paying attention to where my cohorts are. Yes. And he has put himself with his butt sticking out right in front of him. <laughs> so, Blue Nine, you you're right up in the mix of everything, and. Uh, one of my guys gets to go now, one of the NPCs. I'm going to go ahead and have that defender that you just shot at uh, rip off some shots back your way. How fast is he going? He's going four, and you're going six, right? Correcto. So he's going to get two setbacks. The difficulty is two purples. This guy is skilled, that's for sure. What kind of shields? You got shields up front, I'm assuming? One. So I'm looking at uh, my positive dice are two yellows and two greens, and then I'm looking at three setbacks and two purples. 
You guys want to alter that, or you want me to go ahead and let her rip? Let's flip that, baby. Flip it. Flip it. I'll take one of those purples, turn it into a red. Here we go. <laughs> oh, all of that and one success. So his wingtip mounted medium laser cannons do seven points of damage. So what's your armor on that uh, A-wing there? Two. So you're going to take five points of damage, which means your shields are toast. My shields are no longer shields. They're a memory. I'll grab an acoustic guitar and write a song about the memory of my shields. <laughs> Our house rule, if we haven't mentioned it yet, uh, is for every rating of shields is five shield points. They get deducted first. So your shields is gone. Um, this guy is... Uh, that was his action. I think he's going to... Let's see. He's going to do evasive maneuvers as his maneuver. Um, until the end of the round, upgrade the difficulty of all attacks against me, and then uh, I have to upgrade the difficulty of all attacks from me. Who wants to go next? Blue 5 or blue 6? Is that until That's until the end of this round, correct? Until the end of the round. Yep. Okay. I'll go next. So, I'm still medium range away from that defender at this point, I assume. Yes. So I'm going to spend a maneuver to get a little closer. Now don't be shy. So that I'm within short range. Yeah, if you want to move one range band, you're going speed three, right? Just speed three. You can uh, jump up into short range. Then I'm... Gonna take two system strain to use another maneuver. Uh-huh. To use my talent. My talent for maneuvering. My talent of true aim, which once per round, I can use a maneuver to gain the benefits of aiming and upgrade my combat check. And I'm okay. going to use that to shoot, uh, to fire some torpedoes at that defender, since I'm now within range. Everybody's ganging up on the defender. And uh, aiming gives me a boost, and my astrobet gives me a boost. Of course, aiming also upgraded the check, but you uh, did some evasive maneuvers, which upgrades the check on that, too. So what's the... Yeah. So your difficulty, instead of being two purples, is a purple and a red. But then he's also got shields uh, forward and aft, so you're going to have a black setback dice. Okay, and we aren't doing the speed thing when it's projectiles. Did you Correct. remember your bl your blues that I gave you, Neil? And a blue from Nate, too. So what's your dice pool look like? So it's three yellows, one green, three blues, a purple, a red, and a black. Wow. Attack! Ooh. Baby. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So there's a triumph in there, that, which that's pretty fun. So it's three successes, including that triumph, and an advantage. Yeah. Now, this is uh, with my proton torpedoes, which have a damage of eight, making the damage 11. What's the uh, breach? The breach is six. That smoked him by itself. Good. Nice shot. So, so you've got an advantage and a triumph. Hot. Left. I do have an advantage and a triumph. As the TIE Defender explodes into a fiery ball of 
explosion-y stuff in space. Well, we stopped them from getting it. Um, what they get for trying to steal it. Can I use, since it's a triumph, is there any way I could do something along the lines of adding a setback die and or and or upgrading the difficulty check if somebody attacks Nate? I'd let you do that. That's what sure. I want to do. Thanks, buddy. Hey, you're I'm welcome. just a dry leaf on the wind. And then that will be all I'm good can, can do. Can that advantage okay. give a boost though? Because what just happened was, so I was, of course, your wingman. I'm sitting there right with you the entire time. And as soon as we get up, you kind of peeled off just to make contact with that uh, defender. At the same time, you banked right. I banked left and headed straight at the nearest gunboat. The gunboat was, the, the pilot was watching that defender explode and freaking out in the whole situation where they're there to protect that thing and they just blew it. They just gave it up. And, uh, uh, or, or more, more importantly, they're thinking that stupid pilot, all you had to do was get that thing out of here and you immediately went after them. So he's, he's <laughs> upset with the pilot of the, of the, okay. the dead pilot of the defender. And so anyway, either way, I'm getting a, a boost in the shot that I'm about to take, but I'm going to aim and okay. and then the difficulty is two perps. Well, you're you're medium range away from everyone. Oh, 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 you, you, oh, um, let's see. I'm at I'm at a speed of three. I need to move one range band in. So um, I'm gonna use one maneuver to move up one range band until okay. I'm close. Uh, you're right up there with your wingman. And that's my pilot only. Then I'm gonna aim. Um, and not take any strain because I'm using the other set of arms that I have uh, to do that. Show off. Uh, yep. And um, and then I am going to fire and I am going to shoot my missiles at them. Don't forget your boost from your astromech. Mm. Yes. It's another one. These guys have two shields in the front and one shield in the back. So you're going to get two setback dice for those two shields in the front. Okay. And I think that's it. Alright. Let me lay a whirl of hurt on him. Come on. Oh my oh. gosh. That's what did you eight. shoot at him? That's eight missile. advantage. Oh, you, get, missile. you got guided. You got yeah, guided. you can do guided. Oh, you're right. It's, it's the, the scenario you where you can't because you didn't have any successes. Yeah. You can do die. You can do guided no twice. No successes in one, two, three, four, five, eight. six, seven, eight, eight advantages. Advantage. <laughs> so, guided is activated with three, um, leaving you thirty-seven. Which means I have five <laughs> left, but that attack comes at the end of this round. So, the blast missed him, but only because he just did this quick maneuver. And yeah, he tilted to one side, and the and the proton torpedo flew up under his wing. But and, it's going to come back around for another pass. Right. And that movement that he made for uh, five advantage, he really pulled the stick too hard and rammed into the other uh, gunboat in the process. They happened to be flying a little too close to each other. And 
in doing so is going to upgrade the difficulty of the attack of that ship. I'm totally down with that. So essentially what that does is each one of these guys is going to upgrade their difficulty. That's a good one. All right. That was a good one. All right. So it looks like blue nine is close range of both gunboats and uh, blue five and blue six are short range of the two gunboats. So I'm going to have uh, one of the gunboats, we'll, we'll say skip ray number one, we'll call him is going to shoot at the nearest thing, which is uh, Blue Nine and that A-Wing. Now, he has to upgrade the difficulty of his check, which means instead of two purples, it's a purple and a red. Despair. Uh, now, Blue Nine, you lost your shields, is that right? Yes. So no setback dice to throw in there. But I'm going six. Um, He's going four. His ability is three greens. He's shooting a twin medium... Laser cannon at you, by the way. I'm sorry, what was the speed differential? Two. Do I get two setbacks? All right, so I'm looking at three greens, two setbacks, a red, and a purple. The destiny pool is two and two. you want to spend anything, or do you want to let it roll? If you spent something, he'd have two reds. Spend it. Do it. Spend it. You know what? I might as well do the same. Let's see what happens here. All right. So my positive dice, one yellow, two greens, negative dice, two reds, and two blacks. Here we go. Go! He hit you with two successes and three threats. Gulp. Damage is six. So he did eight damage. Now you can barrel roll if you so desire. Which I am going... Wait, how much system strain does that cost? Three. I cannot barrel roll. Oh, dang it. Oh my. What's your what's your armor? <laughs> it is two. So what's your hip what's your whole trauma threshold? Six. <laughs> Do I have the, opp- the opportunity to eject? Yeah, so we were talking about this before. Um give you the opportunity to eject just so you don't die. Your ship's gonna get destroyed now. What do you guys think? Like a coordination check, maybe? Kind of what I was thinking off the top of my head. I was thinking head. piloting, but, you know. I think coordination makes sense. I mean, I assume he's... So our pilot suits are already spacesuits. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Por- Agreed. Porkins, Porkins was going to eject, and he was just in a... Maybe it's like the capsule that you're in yeah. ejects out of the ship. Sounds good. Like that. Coordination makes sense because your ship's about to explode, and you got to hit the right button to eject. Well, you got to lift the the things up by your head and pull them. And if you do so it you too eject, fast, right? you'll, your neck will snap like gooses. Surely there's an eject button, though, that does all of that, and you don't have <laughs> yeah. to pull any handles. Yeah, just make sure you don't hit your head on the canopy. There's a... there's The, the eject button is right next to the self-destruct button. So you got it, <laughs> yeah. you're not lame. <laughs> you better hit the right one. Yeah, they're, they're not the lame, same so. color. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, here we go. Four green. Well, well, hey, hey, wait, wait. you need a difficulty. Let's do hard. Let's do three, three purples. Is that fair? That's fair. Oh, you, you got it. You got it. Three, got three successes, successes and an advantage. advantage. Now I'm going you to float space for three ejected. weeks until somebody comes and picks me up. One <laughs> of those the guys I'm with. Yeah, gunboat's just gonna plink you now. Space. Woo, man. I my so, ship only holds one person. 
I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Astromech. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He'll hit the eject button. We'll tow you to Earth or wherever. Space Earth. <laughs> that was crazy. Second gunboat gets to go. Pull out your um, pistol and start shooting at him. <laughs> you know what? Did I, I didn't do a maneuver with that guy, did I? Yeah. Oh, he's got three threats. What do you guys want to do with those three threats? Have him blow up. You could for three strain. You could give him a setback and and give him a system strain. That's good enough. And he is going to uh, spend his maneuver to move a, a range band. He's trying to blast through blue five and blue six. So now he is in close range of you guys. Now the other blast boat gets to go as he watched his buddy take out that A wing. He sees his buddy flying up in front of him. And I think what he's going to do is going to go ahead and fire off a concussion missile towards that X-Wing to try to clear a way for his buddy that's flying up ahead of him. And he has to upgrade his difficulty. And X-Wing, let's see, uh, Blue 5, do you have shields in the front? Or I do. Back, or what do you one got in the front, one in the back, so just one. I'll, I'll add one set back. This guy has three greens. I'm going to go ahead and flip one of my two destiny tokens. I'll flip one too. Back even again. All right, so we got two greens, a yellow, two reds, and a black. You ready? Born ready. Here comes a forward-mounted concussion missile. Oh, he missed. You can't hit nothing. Two failures, three advantages. Three advantages you can activate guided. I bet that is guided, isn't it? Let me see. I've got uh, guided three. So you pull out your little Atari controller that <laughs> controls the missile when it's blown away. He too is going to move up a range band, so you guys are all close range now. Okay, so that's effectively the end of that round. Now we got to do our guideds. Yep. Oh. So. Uh, heck yeah. Yeah, we both do. So blue six, Gary, you want to do your guided first? Sure. So first which, of all, uh, which one were you shooting after? The one that was closest to me. It the first one. Yeah, I think shot. it's number one. I think it's yeah. the first. The one, one that yeah. went first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, uh, based off of the rules of guided, um, the damage is determined. Uh, sorry, not the damage. Um, the difficulty is calculated. The silhouette, the weapon silhouette is zero for the the missile, and uh, compared to the silhouette of the target. So the silhouette of the target uh, is four, which gives me a difficulty of one purple. Yep. It is one green equal to the weapon's guided rating. It's a guided rating of two, in my case. So it's going to be two green for the attack. Any boosts or anything else that go with it? If not, I'm going to go ahead and flip all four destiny tokens. <laughs> now, do, do you think his shields come into play there? Probably. Boy, probably so. So it's one black? Yeah, because he's got one aft, and I would assume that missile's coming at him from behind. If he kept moving, I would imagine so. Okay. Let me go ahead and flip one of those tokens. Okay. Flip three blacks, one white. I have one yellow, one green, one purple, and one set black in the dice pool. That missile called for a destiny point. 
Yep. <laughs> and it's rolling. Come on. Golly. Oh. Hey, 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 hey. It's... Oh, no, I need an, I need three to trigger it again. You do. I was thinking the same thing. Dang it. Uh, he juked. Yeah. He was a, he was a, he dodged that missile twice. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's going to take a setback in the next round. He's got two setbacks then cuz he already had one. Well, he gets another one. So, my skip ray has uh, a missile coming back around as well. I was shooting at uh, the X-wing, right? I also yep. have shields on my aft. So, will you guys help me out with this uh Yours will be the same. It's zero to my silhouette. My silhouette's three, so you're two plus smaller than the target, so it's one purple. And then what's my, what is my green dice? What, what is your, your guided rating? Is that the guided rating? Yeah. Three. So then it's three. Yeah, guided three? Yeah. Slow firing one, which means I can't shoot him next round. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking at three greens, a purple and a black? Yeah, probably. I'm going to flip a uh, destiny. I'll flip it right Even back. Up the dice pool. All right. Yeah. Flipping back. Flip it. Flipping back. Those missiles and their independent thought. <laughs> so, one yellow, two greens, a red, and a black. Here it comes. Oh, same thing. Two That's advantage. crazy. That's nuts. We we are some flying fools dodging yeah. all of those missiles. That's right. I died in the first round. Or got blown up. What do you want to do with your advantages, though? Let's let's give you a, a setback. Okay. I'll put it in there right now so I don't forget. Yeah. Blue six, you had to dodge, so you might be compromised there a little bit in your, your Blue position. five. Oh, I'm sorry. Blue five. So in that first round, we lost the TIE Defender. We lost the A-Wing. Uh, Blue nine's floating in space somewhere. That was the end of the first round. Well, we hope you enjoyed our little first round of action in our live play, and we hope you'll listen to to it next time, the remaining bit of it next time. We'll have it for you again. So thanks for listening to us. That's all we have for now, I think. Yeah, you guys can find Guardians of Wills on iTunes, Stitcher, TheStaggeringDragon.com, and D20Radio.com. Email us at the Staggering Dragon LLC at gmail.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and we always encourage you to leave us comments and feedback and let us know what you thought of X-Wing, the Rebel Opposition. So what are we doing next time? So next time we'll review the first of 10 X-Wing novels aptly named Rogue Squadron. Michael A. Stackpole wrote this one too. And of course, like we already mentioned, our roll the dice segment will be just like this last one. We'll have the second part of our of our space combat. We probably won't do as much talking <laughs> before that <laughs> one. I imagine it'll probably just go right into it. But either way, that's coming up next time. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye. And may the force of others be with you. You've been listening to the Guardians of the Wills podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or Fantasy Flight Games and is meant for entertainment purposes only.